Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 245... Joan Westenberg, founder of PR and communications firm Studio Self, discusses storytelling and community. Joan explains that story is the centre of what brings people together to share who they are and what they believe in, and how you can genuinely engage with your audience's conversation by discovering who they are. This is Joan's version of Be The Drop. This episode was recorded live at Southstar in Adelaide. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Southstar. Joan, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you so much. We're here in a teepee at Southstar. You know, you've been able to travel, which is exciting. We're saying how novel that is. And just be part of this incredibly vibrant, exciting community. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the biggest thing I've missed in the past like year and a half is being able to collaborate with people. And join together and make something in the sharing of ideas, quiet conversations, just running into people. It's that kind of spontaneity that's just missing when you have to schedule Zoom calls. Yeah. Yeah. And your focus is you work in tech, in the tech space, but really about helping them communicate and tell their story. Now, I've had the joy of joining one of your Zoom calls that was coordinated through Southstar about the importance of story, which is something we passionately believe in. So maybe to get us started, I'd love to hear a Joan story so the listeners can learn a little bit more about the amazingness that is you or something you can describe to us around this value and power of story or what you believe in now. So I think storytelling is about community more than anything else. It really is about groups of people coming together to share who they are, what they are, and what they believe in in conversation. You know, that's where the original storytelling came from, people gathering around fires. And so I guess the story I want to tell is about the small community of people who I have around me who I love. So a few years ago, I came out as transgender and I transitioned. Interesting experience. can be a bit brutal sometimes, as you can imagine. Oh, I've had death threats, but through it all, I've just been surrounded by beautiful human beings. So this is 2019 we're talking about. A friend of mine invited me over to her Airbnb for dinner. She had flown in from Melbourne just to spend a few days in Sydney and she wanted to have dinner with me. And I was like, wonderful, I can't wait to see you. I was sloppy as hell in my PJs basically in a hoodie because it was night and I was finished work and I was tired. So I turned up to her place and I walked in the door and I was surrounded by people I loved because she had gone online and found all the people that I was closest to and gathered them all in one place to celebrate the fact that I was finally living as myself. And we sat together and we just, we told stories about womanhood and what it was like and what it meant to each of us. And we shared some absolutely delicious food. And I've just never felt so close to a group of people and so connected and loved. What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And what a wonderful friend and group of friends. And that power to connect and humanity and how we can reach through and tap into and support each other in sharing our stories. So then transferring from that, which is a beautiful, heartfelt, you know, wonderful story, how do you take that knowledge and learning and apply it in a business context? You know, obviously we want to bring the human connections. We want to build the human around business, but there is a business element and that can sometimes cause a discord. How do we transfer that passion and intent? 
I think we talk a lot about values, you know, values as a plural. And that's where we run into some problems because as soon as you have more than one value, they are going to be in competition. And so if you value your business and you value people and you value whatever else, eventually you will have to put those into a hierarchy. And as soon as you build a hierarchy, you are devaluing some of those forces. If you have a business where you are going to say, okay, our values are making money for shareholders and people, they are going to be in opposition eventually. And so it's up to you whether or not you are going to say, I will value one over the other. I will value people over profits. And that's possible. It's not actually a, an entirely leftist liberal idea to do that. You can put humans first. Now, a story that I often turn back to is that Henry Ford in the early 20th century recognized that he needed to raise the wages of the people working in his factory because otherwise there would be no mass market of people who could afford cars. And I think that's really important. It's not just that putting people first is good for people. Putting people first is good for business. If we can build thriving communities of happy humans who have money to spend and are willing to spend it, that's great for businesses. This is why I'm a huge supporter of a UBI, Universal Basic Income, because I just see that as being a way to encourage humans, lift humans up, and give them disposable income that's going to help everyone. I just don't see a negative with that. And so to really answer your question, I think that we need to stop talking about how do we balance humans and business and put humans first and put business last. I think there's a way through that. Mm, I love that. We're going deep, Joan. We're going deep. And, and that's that's why these events and sharing these ideas is so important so that we can go into those ideas, think about them and bring all the different brains in that can think about it from different implementations and different ways to do that. So in your experience and the work that you do, how do you help people communicate that? How do we tell these stories and that, you know, the businesses that are doing great things and, and you know, working with people and helping people, how do we tell those stories? I think the stories are already there. It's just picking out threads. And if you ask anybody, tell me your life story, where, where would you even start with that? Like we have all lived lives that are just tangled threads of knotted yarn. You know, that's what it's like. What we did in high school, who we were growing up, where we were born, who we dated, what work we did, what books we've fallen in love with, when our hearts broke for the first time. All of that is this massive twisting story. And it's hard to tell that story on your own because you can't necessarily pick up the threads because you're, you're in it. You're right there in it. It's hard to see it all. And so really my job is not to invent stories for people. It's to go through somebody's life with them and pick out those threads and help them to understand where they've come from. And that's really where they express themselves and who they are and where they're going next. And it is those people that resonate with their journey and their story and the businesses that can do that that enable us that connection. You know, the word engagement has been taken and bastardized by marketing in a way, but that's what we're actually really looking for, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, when we, when we say engagement, what do we mean? Engagement can't be measured in how many clicks you've got, how many views you've got and so on. It can only be measured in how many people really care about you and what you do. And they care about it beyond your latest piece of content or your latest product launch. They care about it because of who you are and what you represent. So then in this business context, what are the tips? What are the ways that businesses can do that, care about that and get into that layer? Listen as much as you talk is my advice. You know, Talk to the people who care about you. Talk to your customers and genuinely try to hear what they're saying. Go a bit deeper and, and listen very carefully to the words they've, they've said, why they've chosen those words, how they feel about you. I feel that 
you can treat any relationship the same. Like no relationship works if it's not based on mutually listening and sharing. Any marriage is going to break up if you can't do that. Any relationship with your children will fall apart if you can't do that. And surely it, it translates to absolutely every other relationship you have, even if it's just with your customers. Mm, I like that. And I, I also, I, you know, I can't quite like that saying, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, you know, so get the balance. I think sometimes businesses are talking lots because they really want to help people. They've got this product and service that they believe in and they want to share that. But it is, you're talking about that feedback loop. So what are some of the best ways? Have you got examples or businesses you've seen that are doing this well? How is that happening? So I think that's a bit of a tricky one because... In the age of social media, you can listen in the wrong way. If you just listen to the crowds and the mobs online and so on, you can be informed by a very vocal minority and start to believe that the world is a certain way. And so, for example, if I listen to people online, I might believe that everyone in the entire world hates me. Like, that would be an easy solution to come to. But my genuine belief is that most people are quite happy to hang out with a trans person and treat us the way we deserve and be very kind. I truly believe that's almost every Australian. And so if I just listened to that minority, I wouldn't believe that. I think what you have to do is have really decent, honest, open conversations with individuals. Now get them one-on-one, -on -one, get them on, on their own turf, and really start to ask them questions that relate specifically to them. It's that one-on-one -on -one conversation that I feel sometimes is missing from our interactions these days, you know, making sure that we're valuing the time we have with someone. Like right now, just having a conversation with you and being able to look you in the eye and hear what you have to say and know that you're listening to me, that is worth so much more than however many tweets I could ever write and however many mentions I could get. That is a real conversation and that's where you actually learn something. Oh my gosh, I was like, yes. And it is so, it's so incredible. And for me, that was one of the biggest things that I missed in 2020. Leading up to 2020, I've done 250 podcast interviews or whatever. I think three of those had not been in person, but that changed during COVID. And it is, there's benefits in that I can interview people further afield. I don't have to physically be in a location, which is, is good. But the intimate connection is gone. And I suppose in a business context, that's the balance that's really hard, getting the individual and then also going, okay, but I need to also tap into further afield. What is your advice around balancing that? I really feel like there is data, there is endless data out there that you can find about your customers and who they are. And that data is great. And it can actually help you to understand, I guess, the mass audience that you're talking to. Your analytics are really crucial for that. But to interpret those analytics, that's where the individual conversations come into play. So if you can have a mixture of both, then they'll each provide context for each other. Yeah, I love that. So we've got the context, we've got the individual conversation and we're getting that feedback loop. How does that then get translated into the communications? As simply as possible. I believe that businesses and people should use as few words as they can and use them carefully and use them sincerely. Once you know what people want, because you've asked them, it's quite easy to just provide that. Well, you know, it's not rocket science. People tell us what they want, what they want to eat, what they want to hear. It's just a matter of whether we can put our egos aside and listen and then create that content, create that product. Yeah. And it's interesting, for example, writing children's books. You know, there's less words in there. So it must be really easy to write children's books. But sometimes it's actually harder to pair it back and go, this is just the words. This is the story. And it needs to be simple. So it's really clear. The message is easy to understand. But it does actually take that time 
to cut out those words. I mean, you can change the world a lot easier with a two-minute pop song that has maybe, you know, 10 lines in it than you can with any 40,000-word book. I know, and I was literally thinking about the soundtrack of my life as you Mm. said that, and I I feel like we all can relate to that, but then it's the translating and the crafting of that. You write a lot of content as well. You know, what for you is some of the tools or tips that you use to help craft writing content? The most important thing to do when you're writing is just to get it out onto a page. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, all that matters is that it is there in black and white. Because until you can do that, you actually can't make anything good. You have to be able to have something to to build on and iterate on in order to write anything of worth or value. I can guarantee you that if you picked your favourite book, your favourite article, whatever it was, and go back to the first draft, it would look nothing like the finished product and it would be a total embarrassment. When we're writing, we're always just trying to build on something and anything and turn it into our, our ultimate vision of where we're going with something. When I start writing, I will literally just look at a blank page and then just dump a whole bunch of words onto it and wait until I've found something in there that's good. There's a writer called Samuel Johnson from the 1700s, I think it was, who said that if you've ever written something you truly love, delete it and start writing again because you probably overthought that part. Which is hard. Oh, it's hard. But I mean, as writers, like our job is not just to create masterpieces and things like that. Our job is to have an idea and then communicate that in a way that people can understand. Yeah, in, uh, I'm going to go back to simplicity here. The fewer words, the better. You want your writing to be read by an audience of people who can grasp exactly what you're saying. Mm. And tech, you know, you work in the tech startup space. Mm. That can be a hard, complicated message to sometimes convey, particularly in startup if it's something different and new. So the context of understanding might not be there with the audience. Why is this the space that you love? I am a huge tech nerd. I really am. I, I can't explain it any other way. I taught myself to code when I was 13, modding Wolfenstein 3D and Doom 2. And I've just been obsessed with technology ever since. You know, I can still program when I need to, but I have that joined love of, on the one hand, it's tech, on the other hand, it's humans. And so it made sense to me to sit between the two and try to be an API and communicate between them. Technology excites me. What we can do for good, what what has been done for evil, what can be made fun in new ways. Like, I just find that incredibly thrilling. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I really wouldn't. I, I just find that if I look at the impact that I can make on this world, there are two areas where I can make a really positive impact. The first is in raising a child and being a parent, and that is incredibly important to me. That is my number one priority. And the other is in helping to shape technology as a force for good and as a force for the future. And what can be more noble than both of that? Like, really, if we can all sit in that and work our skills, because we all bring our unique set of skills to help with that future. You know, I think for me, so be the drop is based on the saying, a waterfall begins with one drop. And we're all that drop, right? We've all got that ability to do our bit and make our change and hopefully align with others. So, Joan, in conclusion then, what would be your top tip to be the drop, to help communicate, to motivate and inspire others, to help that force for good? So, I don't know if you've seen Frozen 2. (laughs) No. How have I not? Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favourite movies. I mean, the Frozen series is brilliant. Yeah, I've seen Frozen. Okay, watch Frozen 2. There is a song in there which has almost become my mantra. And the the song tells you to just do the next right thing. 
no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard things are, no matter what's gone wrong, it is quite easy to just identify what the next right thing is, no matter how hard, and just do that. If you can follow that, I think you're going to be okay. Do the next right thing. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Joan. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.